Okay, it is Joy Sunday. Who's got joy today? All right, all right. Good deal. Hey, welcome to St. Paul. Good to see you. My name is Bob Martin. I have the privilege of being lead pastor, and it's good to have you in, the, in worship. Also, those of you that are worshiping online, uh, we thank you. We know we have a, a large crowd that joins us online as well. Hey, listen, anytime uh, you feel safe, come on back. Uh, worship Center is ready too. Uh, we also enjoy people that uh, check us out during the week on our on-demand features as well, Facebook, um, YouTube, we're everywhere. So great, glad you're here, glad you're connecting. Hey listen, two quick things, uh, as Pastor Pam said earlier, mark your calendars for our Christmas Eve service. We're only gonna do one this year, it's gonna be a candlelight service, we wanna fill the room. We, we didn't wanna like, divide the crowds, we wanna have everybody together so that we could really come together and be a bright light for Christ, amen? So take one of those uh, little uh, invite cards with you. In fact, take several of them. Uh, a lot of you have been asking, when are we gonna get those? Take those with you, hand those out to folks, make sure that they know uh, that they can come and spend Christmas with us. Hey, listen, we're in week three of our series, Simply Christmas. Why Simply Christmas? Because the life that we live today is hectic, right? It's a, it's a bizarre life, it's uh, kind of weird. So we wanted to make sure that we were reminded that Christmas can be simple. It doesn't have to be complicated. You don't have to stand in the long lines in the stores in order to experience Christmas. You don't have to wait forever to get your latte at Starbucks to experience Christmas. It's simple. Just experience it and open your heart. So we've been in this series. We've been kind of looking at some different kinds of things to talk about. I had a question last week, which was, hey, you know, why did we talk about the birth of Jesus and it's not Christmas Eve yet? Well, we're just looking at some snippets all around the, the Christmas story. We're looking in Luke's gospel, we're looking in Matthew, we're looking in Isaiah, Micah, a couple of the major prophets, minor prophets as well. It's not a chronological series, but on Christmas Eve, I can assure you, we'll be talking about the birth of Jesus and the impact that that has on us. So week one, who remembers what we talked about? We talked about the prophet Isaiah. We went to Isaiah chapter nine and we talked about um, how Isaiah said that he was going to proclaim, he was gonna give a, a, a message that something good was gonna happen and that was that somebody special was gonna be born and we learned out of that message that we are to simply tell that story, that we're not to just hold that inside but we're to tell that to people that we meet no matter where that might be. Last week, I took us on that road to uh, Bethlehem, uh, that lumpy, bumpy road. We learned Mary nine months pregnant. We learned that the, none of the gospels say that she was on a donkey. You don't know where that ever came from. She's likely is walking nine months pregnant, a 90 mile, four day journey, and she made it and she gave birth to the savior of the world. And this week, uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about shepherds. Next week, Pastor Pam is gonna lead us into a time talking about the, the wise men or the magi, the magios, as it says in Greek. And uh, I don't know why, but every year we kind of joke that, that she's always the one who talks about the wise men. I guess because of the two clergy, she's the wisest, right? And so, might as well have her do that. Yeah, you can clap, that's fine, it's okay. It won't hurt my feelings, you know? Uh, but anyway, anyway, so, but you know, wise men, you know, there's something about the wise men, and I kind of want to set this up for next week, you know, you know, they were really important to that Christmas story, right? They found Jesus in the house. Um, it's later on, you know, that we learn about them coming, but it was really weird. They smelled smoky. They had come from afar. Okay. Think about that one. Okay. Hey, I've told that for 28 Christmas seasons, okay? And, and this is the reaction I get every year. I was really hoping this year would be a little bit better. 
So, so on three, I'm gonna tell it again. I really would love to see this to be the best reception it's ever received, right? Hey, the wise men, you know why they smelled smoky? They had come from afar. <laughs> All right, okay. Well, listen, we're, what was that? Oh, Mark, okay, yeah. I got your number, bro. Okay, so we're gonna talk about shepherds today. So shepherds are, are an, an integral part of the Christmas story. And um, shepherds are, uh, are really interesting. And it's not just the shepherds, but it's what happens to the shepherds. The shepherds have angels visit them. Not just one, but, but multiple angels. So 237 times in the scriptures, we see angels visiting human beings. Different kinds of capacity. Most of these things are happening in the Old Testament. You know, angelos, which is the, the Greek word for messenger. So why do these heavenly beings come, and why do they come to earth to share whatever news that's there? Now, uh, the Old Testament, most of the um, times angels appear are there, but they do appear in the New Testament, and when they do, it's like really huge. There's something major that's happening. A couple of real quick instances, an angel visits Mary and says to Mary, you've been chosen by God, you're special. Um, God is going to make you um, uh, carry the Christ child and you'll give birth to the savior of the world. And Mary is like, how can this be? And she was excited about that. And then, then we see an angel in Matthew's gospel, an angel appears to Joseph. And Joseph finds out that he's betrothed or kind of more than engaged, but betrothed to Mary. And she's pregnant. She had gone away to see her cousin Elizabeth. She comes back and she's showing, she's uh, with child. And, and he's kind of like, I gotta get out of this thing and I gotta figure out how to do this. And, and the angel appears and says, Joseph, calm down. This is something God has planned. God's not going to like throw your family's name under the bus and, and, and discourage you or, or dismay you in any way. You just have to trust that the Holy Spirit is involved. In fact, Joseph, go on and take Mary to be your wife and take this son to be your own and name him Jesus. And so Joseph does that. So now, now the shepherds come to the picture and the shepherds are, are kind of out in their fields and, and they're, they're kind of just kind of doing their thing. And an angel appears to the shepherd to the shepherds, and the angel comes back and, and begins to say something. But now, why the shepherds? Why, why an angel appeared to the shepherds? Shepherds were not uh, known to be like uh, trustworthy. They were kind of shifty was kind of the ancient word that they, that they used for them. Uh, they were shifty people. In fact, they were so shifty that, that they weren't even allowed to give testimony in a trial. So you could not call somebody who was a shepherd to be your witness to make sure that you weren't gonna go to jail or so to speak, because nobody trusts them. You know, the, the landowners didn't like shepherds because shepherds did a lot of free, free grazing. They would bring their sheep into lands that they didn't own and their sheep would kind of eat all the choice grass and boom, they'd go. And the landowners would go like, wait a minute, who's gonna pay for this? So there's kind of this um, constant bitter battle that was going on between shepherds and, and people and townspeople. And they always looked down upon. So, so the angel appears to this group. And the angel says something that's very important. It says, it says, do not be afraid, for I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and he is Christ the Lord. Now this message that the, that the angel is bringing is extremely important. He says that it's very personal. I'm saying this to you, this gift is for you. But then he goes on and he says, but it's a universal message. It, it includes everyone because on this day, this child will be born for all people. 
So, so the angel is proclaiming a very important message that comes here. Now, God, God is very uh, connected with the whole image of shepherding. All throughout the scriptures, Old and New Testament, Psalms, they're all included. We see these words comparing God to a shepherd, one who oversees a flock, one who takes care of sheep, one who gives life, gives their very own life to protect the sheep. And we see some theological implications that come with that in the story of Jesus. And we, what we find here is, is that, that so much revolves around the shepherd. In fact, Isaiah says here in chapter 40, he says that God will, will gather the lambs in his arm and he will carry them in his bosom and he will gem, gently lead those um, who are with young. So, so all of a sudden, this whole message is imagery of God being a shepherd and an angel, a heavenly being, appearing to shepherds. It kind of comes in. So for 700 years before the birth of Jesus, Micah, another prophet, Micah proclaims a very important word. And he, he says to folks, in this small region, something's going to happen. But, but this small region that, that probably not many people know about, but, but, but it's gonna have significance, this great thing will come. And here's what Micah writes. He says, Bethlehem, he says, though you're small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. He will stand and shepherd, see there's the word, shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord. Jesus came as a shepherd. In many instances, in Jesus' conversations and in his teaching recorded in the Gospels, we see that he's constantly referencing him as a shepherd. And he even makes a statement that, that, that he is the good shepherd. And the good shepherd is willing to lay down his life for the quality and the care of his sheep, the people. We're the people, we're the sheep. So we begin to see this image of Jesus becoming true into the prophecy. Not only, not only did um, Jesus say those words that a shepherd would lay down his life, but he's talking about his blood. And, and so at the birth story and the proclamation of the angels and everything that we see, it's leading us to the end story or the current story. Jesus heading to the cross, the great shepherd, sacrificing his blood ultimately for his sheep. So, I want, uh, so, so this is kind of like the first piece of, of shepherds speaking. And I think it's really interesting that, that it's only in the gospels do we see the angels at the birth and they're with shepherds. Angels aren't with Herod the king. They're not with you know, all these other people. They don't show up you know, with the magi and that kind of stuff, but they're at the birth with the shepherds. So that's kind of one image of the shepherds that, that we grew up with. I grew up with that image. Maybe you did too. You know, We saw the shepherds as being poor, outcasts, all of those things. And, and for a lot of us, we kind of went through the years and we said, but, and this is kind of that special glimpse of God that because God appeared to the shepherds, the poor, the lowest, lowliest of lows, that it's a reminder that, that God you know, cares about and loves about everyone. And there's, there's truth to that. But let's look at a little bit more, a little bit further and look at, at a bigger difference of what's happening uh, with the life of these shepherds. Let's go to see what Luke says. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. So here's one angel, the radiance is appearing around them. They were terrified, the shepherds, but the angel reassured them, 
And this is kind of like angel speakies. Do not be afraid, right? Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped in snugly little strips, strips of cloth. I want you to remember that portion, that they will find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Remember that, later on I'm gonna explain something about that. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others. So now it's gone from one angel making a proclamation to the heavens opening up, and the God army of angels is now, every angel is there, you know, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to whom those God is pleased. And when the angels return to heaven, so as quickly as they show up, they're gone. The shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village and they found Mary and Joseph and there was the baby lying in the manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what that had happened and what the angel had said and told them about this child. You know, this version is where we hear the angels are poor. They're dirty, they're shifty, you can't trust them. And again, the image of God appearing to all people. I believe that to be true, but I believe there's also another side to this who were the shepherds story. And it's a, and it's a side to the story that I think we have to think about and we have to ask ourselves, is this possibly true? So, so the shepherds we read about in Luke, they were actually fulfilling temple duties, okay? Now, who did temple duties? The priests. Okay, Dave, Dave gets a golden star for the day. Dave, that was you, right? Okay, good, I recognize that voice. It lulls me to sleep at night, Dave. You, you, <laughs> so, so, so the temple priests are doing temple duties. It's the priests. So we find out and we figure out, wait a minute. So maybe there's something to this group of shepherds that the angel appeared. Maybe there's something more to the story, something more beautiful to the story, something larger to the story than what we had thought. Now, why would, why would uh, priests who were shepherds why would they be performing menial shepherd duties? I mean, it wasn't like the most glorious job, right? You're cleaning up after sheep. You're kind of like protecting them. You're, you're, you're kind of smelling kind of ripe like sheep because you're out hanging out with you know, sheep and lambs and stuff all day. Um, but they had, a, they had a job to do. And the main job that they had that this particular group had to do was they had to make sure that the lambs that they were shepherding were without blemish. Okay, follow me on this. So here are these shepherds doing shepherd duties they're tied to being priests. I'm gonna tell you why in just a second. And one of the things that they're doing is making sure that these sheep remain unblemished. And this is gonna go and support a little bit about where I want us to go with this thing. So, so what we find out is that the shepherds were the ones who watched the flocks. Now, there was a, a large tower that was in the region. So, so when we began to unpack this story, 
and historically, there was a document called the Mishnah. The Mishnah was a, was a Jewish laws document that basically was written during the time of the Pharisees. Remember the Pharisees? And, and so the Pharisees had this, this book this, of laws as to how everybody was supposed to do everything, what their duties were. And one of the things that the Mishnah addressed was what you do with sheep, but more importantly, how you handle sheep and how you farm sheep. So the regular sheep or the sheep that were for the people of Israel, the townspeople to eat and all, they basically were kept out into the forest. They were kept out into the areas that were overrun with trees and stuff. And those were the shepherds that, that, that a lot of us have come to know through the years in the story that were ruddy and, and you know, probably shifty and couldn't really adapt to society because they lived, they lived in the woods. But these shepherds, Matthew says, it's, or excuse me, Luke says, there's something different about these shepherds. These aren't the ones who are keeping the flocks inside of the forest. He says, these are the ones who are in the fields and keeping an eye on them in the fields, so to speak, and then near Bethlehem, near the temple. So this is a different type of shepherd. That's why I think they're priests. That's why I think they're priests who are acting as shepherds because they are taking care of the lambs that are to be unblemished to be used for the sacrifice of the people. They're not the sheep that people are eating. These are the protected ones, the ones without blemish. The regular person couldn't do this. A priest had to. So what we find out here is, is that the angels appear, the angels appear to this type of shepherd. Now, before you like throw me out and you know, stone me and all those other things, I want you just to finish listening to where I'm going with this because I think it has some sense to it. And I think it helps us to understand something even larger in the story of the Christ child. So these priests who were shepherds, they had to fulfill the Mosaic law. They had to farm these sheep in the fields. They had to take care of them. And when it came time to sacrifice the animals on the days of sacrifice, they would take these sheep, these unblemished ones, and they would sacrifice them. So when the angel appears to this group of shepherds, the priests, and says, I've got a surprise for you. Because today in the city of David, a savior is born. No wonder they were excited because they would have known as priests, they would have known that one day a Messiah was proclaimed to come and that that one day would come and they would no longer have earthly sacrifices for the Messiah, the one who would take away and destroy the sin of the world, the one who would, would not just say you're forgiven, but the one who would stand in the gap and take on sin and destroy that on your behalf and on my behalf. They knew that that person would one day come. And the angel says today in David's town, a savior has been born. No wonder they were excited. No wonder they ran there. No wonder that they were the first people that could see this. And they could say, we've got to tell the world about this because they understood the Messiah had finally arrived. Now, remember earlier when I talked about swaddling cloths? So let, let, me, let me throw this out because this might be another thing for us to wrestle with today. So swaddling cloths. It says, you will find the child wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Last week we talked about it wasn't like this wooden manger that, that many of us have in our you know, standing up in our yards and stuff like that. It was probably a food trough, a feeding trough. Likely 
Could have been anywhere. I said it could have maybe even been in the center of town, but we were kind of told it was where the animals were, and there's different theories on that, on the importance of animals. But wrapped in swaddling cloths. So when they go and they find Jesus, he's wrapped in swaddling cloths. Now, these likely aren't cloths that Mary found wherever it was that she was having Jesus. It's likely not cloths that Joseph like found along their journey or maybe packed on the way so they could like rub their brow and take the dust off of themselves on that 90 mile journey. Remember where Mary went for several months after the Holy Spirit came upon her. Where did she, who'd she go to visit? Elizabeth, her cousin, the mother of John the Baptist. Who was Elizabeth's husband? Zechariah. What did Zechariah do for a living? He was a priest, okay? So, so where, could she, where could Mary and Joseph have gotten these swaddling cloths, these priestly cloths? Maybe they got them on the visit when Mary went to see Elizabeth. And Zechariah said, take these as a gift. Now, let me tell you why this is significant. Those priestly cloths were used by the priests who were shepherds and the ones who took care of the sheep to bring them in for the temple sacrifice. They would wrap the sheep in these priestly cloths to protect them so they would remain unblemished. So I forgot to tell you something that's very important. I got a picture of it here. So, so let's go back to what Luke says when he talks about the importance of of watching the flock by night. You see this tower here? This, this is a, a, a tower that is very important uh, to the story, and it's a tower that, that helps us to understand. It's the, the Migdal Idar, and, and, and this is a tower that was just outside of Bethlehem, just outside of the temple, and this tower overlooked the fields where these sheep would have been. Now, when Luke says that the shepherd watched the sheep by night, can you imagine being in the top of that five-story tower and one shepherd, one priest, while the others walked or worked the grounds, would keep flock? They would do it in shifts. It was by law. There had to be a priest shepherd in that tower at all times, watching the sheep, watching the flock by night. So we begin to, to piece this story together. It doesn't lessen what we think about maybe the shepherds were poor and the story of God with poor people because we believe that. We believe God is, has come into the world not for the rich but for all, especially those um, that are in need, those, those that are poor. But here's another possibility that brings in something that's interesting about this story. Jesus, born, wrapped in cloths, swaddled, priestly cloths, Jesus, the Lamb of God. Are you following me? The day of his death, laid in a tomb, Jesus is wrapped in cloth. Not the same cloth, but wrapped in cloth. And depending upon which traditions one looks at at the time of resurrection, when the tomb was discovered, the cloths were neatly folded, especially the head cloth which was tradition to say in hospitable ways, in the roles of hospitality, I shall return. Save a place for me. I'll be back soon. So we begin to piece these things together of the significance of how this comes. So maybe Mary and Joseph got these cloths from Zechariah. Symbolically, it reminds us 
that Jesus is the Lamb of God. I love what Max Lucado says. Max Lucado, great, great Christian writer. Lucado, um, he, he has something that's really beautiful. I want to end with this. It's in his book, In the Grip of Grace. Okay? He says, untethered by time, God sees us all. From the backwoods of Virginia to the business district of London, from the Vikings to the astronauts, from the cave dwellers to the kings, from the hut builders to the finger pointers to the rock stackers, God sees us. Vagabonds, ragamuffins all. He saw us before we were born. And he loves what he sees. Did you hear that? God sees you and he loves what he sees. He loves what he sees. Flooded by emotion, overcome by pride, the star maker turns to us one by one and says, you're my child. You're my child. You're my child. You're my child. All of you are my children. I love you dearly. I'm aware that someday you'll turn from me and walk away, but I want you to know that I've already provided a way back. Praise God for that. And to prove it, he did something extraordinary. Stepping from the throne, he removed his robe of light and wrapped himself in skin, pigmented human skin. The light of the universe entered a dark, wet womb. He whom angels worship nestled himself in the placenta of a peasant, was birthed into the cold night, and then slept on cow's hay. Mary didn't know whether to, to give him milk or to give him praise, but she gave him both since he was, as near as she could figure, hungry and holy. Joseph didn't know whether to call him junior or father, but in the end called him Jesus, since that's what the angel had said, and since he didn't have the faintest idea what to name a God. He could cradle him in his arms. Don't you think their heads tilted and their minds wondered, what in the world are you doing, God? Or better phrase, God, what are you doing in the world? Can anything make me stop loving you, God asked. Watch me speak your language, sleep on your earth, feel your hurts. Behold the maker of sight and sound as he sneezes, coughs, and blows his nose. You wonder if I understand how you feel? Look into the dancing eyes of the kid from Nazareth. That's God walking to school. Ponder the toddler at Mary's table, and that's God spilling his milk. You wonder how long my love will last? Find your answer on a splintered cross on a craggy hill. That's me you see up there, your maker, your God, nail-stabbed and bleeding, covered in spit and sin-soaked. That's your sin I'm feeling. That's your death I'm dying. That's your resurrection I'm living. That's how much I love you. You know, this message says one thing. Simply, everyone. Whether you know God or you don't know God, the important thing is God knows you. He's created you. He loves you. And he's yearning to meet you and to build that relationship. So if today is a day and you're here in Christmas season and you're kind of thinking like, hey, I'm just gonna come to church and kind of just check it out because, well, it's Christmas, let's do that. You know what? That's a good thing, but God wants more. Now, before that makes you run out the door, oh, I knew there was a, there was a hook here. 
He doesn't want your money. He doesn't want your career. He doesn't want your house. He doesn't want your car. He wants your heart. He wants you to see him in the same way he created you. Love. And that's a love that wasn't just made for one person or maybe two. It was made for everyone. 